Shelton. It's Dainer and Jay. Latest episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Ener Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are working for you here on The Walkout on a day that the Los Angeles Chargers beat the Cincinnati Bengals 41-22 to at Paul Brown Stadium in a game that was really mostly very boring, <laughs> uh, pretty mundane, not a lot of twists or turns or streaks or storylines to come of it, just kind of a ho-hum day at PBS, um, or the exact opposite of that. Uh, a day where everybody got hurt and everybody played through pain and everybody suffered adversity, including Jay. Including. But you're here with us, grinding through. I am. I'm trying my best. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> you, you talk about the, um, the the wild nature of that game. I actually had a tweet composed. It was going to say, you know, anybody here in the stadium that's here for their first game, they're not all like this. Because it, and it, it, I was doing that when the Bengals were driving right before the mix and fumble because it felt imminent. They were going to take the lead and, and cap the, the biggest. Now, who knows if they hold on or not. But coming back from 24 down, the, the biggest comeback in team history was 21. And, and it just felt like they were going to at least get a field goal there. And then that was – there was so much wrong to this game. But that, that mix and fumble obviously was the key turning point. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, you know, you've got the mix and fumble. You have Jamar Chase drop. You have, you know – Joe Burrow throwing right into the end zone for – they're down 16 at that point. But, you know, four turnovers and, you know, some some fluky stuff. I mean, Joe Mixon just drops the ball. Hmm. Like a guy who hadn't fumbled in 307 snaps doesn't just fumble. He just drops it. It's not knocked out. It's not beat out. It's not punched. He just – drops the ball and it gets scooped and scored the other way. They have what should have been a 71 yard touchdown pass to chase go a dime, go right off his hand, pop into the air and and get intercepted of all things. And they have a million injuries. Joe Burrow will get into his pinky. We're going to talk about that. Everything that could go wrong did. They fought back. You had a, you had 24 unanswered by the chargers, 22 unanswered by the Bengals. And then, the final uh, 17 unanswered by the Chargers to end it. It was just stupid. It was just a stupid game where the Bengals were sloppy and bad and everybody made a ton of mistakes. And the post game was full of, you know, accountability. I think that was sort of the message of the day. But um, I don't – it's such a weird game. It's hard to make definitive statements about it just because – is this who this team is? I don't know this is who they are. They have too many games like this. They have too many games where they have too many turnovers. They have too many games where they, they give it up and look dumb doing stuff. In the Browns game, this game, very similar in nature that way. But for the most part, this isn't necessarily who they've been. They have been, you know, inconsistent in some ways on Sundays. Yeah, I mean, you look at, the the way this game started was really bad with back to back turnovers, but it was almost kind of like that Raiders game where they just they came out really slow and it, they they didn't do anything and the the defense held them up. 
And and that wasn't, they talk about that all the time. Complimentary football wasn't the case today. Both sides were bad and that's how they got in that huge hole. And I know, you know, you mentioned playing hurt, just full disclosure. I, I left the, the viewing area of the press box early in the fourth quarter, not feeling well. So I missed a lot of that fourth quarter, but it, before I did, there was a lot of angst on Twitter and people just throwing their hands up. And, and I, I don't, I don't think this is a case of, you know, this, this team was feeling themselves or it's just, it's the way the league is. You just, you have games like this sometimes and everything that could have gone wrong did and no moral victories. But I, I think when this, this team has had games or starts like that in the past, it, it ends up in a way worse blowout. At least they fought back and got it to within two and had the ball with a chance to take the league. I think even though there are no points for almost comebacks, I, I think that says a lot about the makeup of this team. And and maybe that should be the, the takeaway from this one that you just kind of wad it up and throw it away and, and move on to next week. I think that's part of it. But I also think there's a couple of characteristics that we can say about them. One, they will be the tough team that fights and has scrap and and it plays through pain and they got a bunch of dudes playing through stuff today. And again, we'll talk about Burrow in a second. Hang with me. But I also think another trait of them is that they are sloppy. They are inconsistent at times from week to week. You know, here's the thing. In their seven wins, they have five turnovers. In their five losses, they have 14 turnovers. They had four turnovers on Sunday. And, you know, you get a strip sack early, the interceptions, the fumble. Some of that's fluky. Do I think Joe Mixon is going to start dropping the ball without Mm -hmm. being touched? No. I mean, and it's crazy that that happened, and they still had plenty of chances to win this game. And they made some plays of their own on defense. But do I think Jamar Chase's – periodic drops have been an issue? Yes. They've been a cause of these things. Do I think that the leakiness of the offensive line has been an issue? Yes. And you hate it that it came from Jonah Williams, of all people, uh, on on the strip sack. Has Burrow thrown too many interceptions and forced too many balls, particularly in the red zone? Yes. This is stuff that's part of their growth that shows up from time to time right now. And as much as fight is great and tenacity is great and not giving up is great, and that's fine. That is a trait of this team. But so is this other stuff right now. And it doesn't show up every week. But, you know, when it doesn't show up, they have the ability to blow people out. When it does show up, they get blown out. And finding the ability to avoid that, look, it's 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 just time, man. This is, this is December. They're up against it now. Bengals now sit in the seventh seed. Um, One game up there, but you've got, there's still one game behind the Ravens, thanks to uh, the failed two-point conversion and Pittsburgh winning that game. Um, But, so it's all still right there for them, but this is it. Like, this is where it doesn't matter. If that crap shows up from this point forward, it costs you the playoffs. It costs you a chance at the postseason, everything you put yourself in position for. So they got to figure out a way to get that fixed and figure out why it's happening. You know, I don't know if it's just the over optimist in me or 
if I've learned from this team, I'm curious with you, because again, we haven't talked about any of this, but you know, even after the touchdown return on the fumble and then they get another touchdown with Eckler and the, the Bengals are down 16 and they're driving before that last Burrow interception, where was your one to 10? What did you think the chance was if they were going to pull that off and, and get it back to overtime or get it back to tide? Not zero. Yeah. I mean, when they, when they got the play to get them down into the red zone, you know, I think I even, I tweeted, they're not dead yet. Hmm. You know, they're not this, don't put this game to bed yet. And because, you know, you're a, you're a touchdown and a two point conversion from the one score game. And we've seen the chargers do this <laughs> and, and, but then he throws the pick and, and that was, that was good night. Um, it, it's just, it, they, they have had these games and, and they have cycled them through. And then they've had they've done a good job of reacting to them, and 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 you know I think you can expect maybe to see something good next week against San Francisco. But now it's piling up on you. Now the injuries are piling up. On a day where we saw Logan Wilson go down, they came and they played with Isaiah Prince and Trey Hill starting because Riley Reef and Trey Hopkins both couldn't go with their ankle injuries. We saw Marcus Bailey go down. They're you know they're down to Joe Batchy playing next to Jermaine Pratt at linebacker. Um, Chidobe Awuzie goes down. They had Vernon Hargraves out there playing alongside Eli Apple and Mike Hilton. I mean, Joe Mixon had a neck. He said he got hurt his neck, and he came out there and tried to and was playing through, but he was playing through pain. Higgins had a tweaked hamstring. He came back. All this stuff piling up. And then Joe Burrow's pinky. Mm -hmm. And it was like, (laughs) I I wish there's a better way to sum up all of us just in a fury of tweets of every single move Joe Burrow was making, trying to figure out how to make this pinky not hurt. And we talked to him a lot about it after the game. And, you know, he said, I, I, I sort of pinned it was, he chose pain. Mm-hmm. He was like, I, I'm, I, I can make it hurt a little less if I wear these gloves. He had a black glove. He had a white glove. He had tape. He was trying to tape it up. He was trying to throw with each one of those, and then he'd take it off, and then he'd get it retaped, and then he'd take that off, and then he'd wince, and then he'd like, try to throw again. And then he, they were, he couldn't even, you couldn't give him the ball in his right hand. He had to hold, grab it with his left to see if he could throw it. And then all of a sudden they come out at right before halftime and it's like the clock's ticking. He needs to figure out what he's going to do because it's about time to take the field. And he just throws it all off and says, I, 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 right then it was, I either am going to have a way where it doesn't hurt as much while I'm out there playing if I try to wear the gloves or whatever, or it's going to hurt more, but I'll still be able to somewhat throw the ball. So I chose to still be able to somewhat throw the ball. And he chose pain. He said, well, I'm going to play through it. I'm just going to battle through it. And he's a tough dude. And he didn't battle through it. He took hits, yeah. 11 hits, six sacks. He's he's scrambling. He's diving head first. He's, I mean, getting hammered after some of these plays. He had a follow through where his hand hit somebody, uh, you know, and, and, and made it even worse. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow's not going to come. He sets the tone of that, you know, that, that play through it, that toughness, that, tenacity all stuff he does set the tone with that and and i mean he had him on the way back it was going to be the ultimate superman cape moment i mean it's like it's like he wanted to add a degree of difficulty um i thought his grit was impressive but 
you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't enough because of everything else. There were just too much, too many things that went sideways around him. Yeah, I thought it was notable coming out of halftime that the first couple throws were to the boundary where you better have good zip on that ball or it can get a, it can be a pick six the other way. And I just I, I thought that was telling that that they weren't going to just try to manage it and, and make his throws a little bit easier. And you could tell it didn't have the normal zip, but he was still getting it there. He completed those first two passes, if I remember right. Um, the one that's really curious is because you're you're fighting through that pain and it it has to affect your delivery, your grip, all of that. And that last interception, uh, I, I haven't been able to go back and watch. I'm not sure how much of it was bad decision and how much of it was he just didn't make the throw he needed to make because he tried to lob it up over the safety and, and get and get it to CJ in the back of the end zone, and it never got past the safety. I mean, he went up and got it, but I, that's a touch pass that we've seen Joe Burrow make many times. So I, I don't know if, if the pinky was affecting him there. He would never admit that. But it, it was impressive that he – because it didn't look like it. It was swollen. It was gnarly. It, you know, it looked like he played offensive line, not quarterback. And I'm sure they shot it at halftime with something, but that doesn't take all the pain away. So it's – you know, he said in the postgame he's not going to miss any games. You know, I don't – don't know how he knows that yet we'll have to wait and see how bad it gets this week he said he didn't think it would get any worse but he also said he's never had this kind of injury before so i think there's there's going to be a lot of eyes on that pinky this week yeah the world's uh the world's most important pinky right now i mean look if i could tell you how many times i have talked to a player after a game when they got dinged up and they said oh yeah i'll play next week Mm -hmm. i'll be fine i'm not worried about it I mean, I will show you 12 more players who not only didn't play the next week, some of them went on IR the next week. Yeah. Like, it's just, this stuff happens all the time. Don't trust a player's do- player as an MD, okay? They are not. And we don't know what is going to show up when the swelling goes down. The, uh, the concept is it's dislocated. He thinks it's dislocated. They think it's dislocated. And he played through it. But we don't know that. And so it will be worth monitoring. It's nice that Joe said, I'm not going to miss any time. There's no way I could, this thing's going to get worse. As he said, that's, that's, that's fine. That's good. I'm, it's good that he feels that way. Good for him. That means zilch. That means zilch until we hear anything official. Um, because, you know, if it's, if it's something that even can heal over a week, just needs an extra week off, and they got to go win a game with Brandon Allen, and they got to go win a game with Brandon Allen. They can't chance it because you're still looking at – you need to make sure you have Burrow for a potential postseason, and, you know, you're now walking that fine line. But he may be fine. It, but, he, you know, he kind of – I think this is something he's going to have to play through. I mean, potentially. we it, This has happened before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derek Carr in 2016 had a dislocated pinky, and he played the rest of the season – uh, he played the game. He dislocated it, and it was all nasty and stuff. And he played the rest of the season. I mean, it's, you can do it. You can. I mean, he did it today, assuming that's what it is. But that's that's the key phrase here. It's assuming that that's what it is, because um, we don't know for sure exactly what it is. We will, of course, be monitoring everything that has to do with Joe Burrow's pinky this week, um, <laughs> which is a very fun thing. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Uh, one other really interesting one to get to before we uh, – well, a couple of things, but one one to make sure I get to. Um, 
it was a big accountability post game. And I mentioned this off the top. I mean, it sounded like that was Zach Taylor's message to his team afterwards. Everybody needs to be accountable for the mistakes they made because everybody made one. And a lot of people, and it was really some of the most important players in this team, made some of the biggest ones. Um, whether it be um, tons of busted coverages in the secondary, whether it be the fumble by Mixon, whether it be the drop by Chase, whether it be the sack allowed by Jonah Williams, whether it be the forced ball by Joe Burrow. These are the biggest names on this team. And they were making massive mistakes that that cost them. And and then another one was the head coach, and the head coach admitted it. I've never, I've not seen. And granted, I covered Marvin Lewis for a long time. I've not seen a coach take accountability like this in a post game press conference. And and this is not me saying it was right or wrong. I mean, whatever. It it was, but the kind of just open beration of self. Uh, that happened afterwards. I'm just going to – I asked Zach Taylor about – there were two situations, one right before halftime where it was unclear what the hell they were really trying to do and didn't get a Hail Mary off or another playoff to try to get a long field goal and just wasted a ton of time and just the clock just ran out on a third and five near midfield. It was weird. It didn't make any sense. Uh, it was just terribly done. And then another one where they went to go for two uh, in the first half and ha- – had to take a timeout and then got a delay of game coming out of the timeout, which forced them to have to actually try to kick the PAT when it was five yards back. And when they did that, Evan McPherson missed it. Zach Taylor had this to say about those two situations. What happened to the drive before halftime? There was a lot of confusion at the end. What happened in that whole sequence? Well, we were down to a third down, and we were going to clock it. and put us in a fourth down position where really there's, there might have been too much time on the clock. So then if we if we don't convert, they get the ball back. So it was just that was a difficult one to communicate in that moment. Um, the guys in the field were going to clock it. We were trying to get into a pass. Um, and so then there, that, that confusion, we're just there's confusion for three, four, five seconds. Tasha when there's only ten. And, and again, that, that's just it's kind of a, a rare third down situation you're in right there where, where the communication is critical. It's got to be crisper for me to make sure that we're all on the same page. And so we're not getting one call, and then, and then I'm trying to change it, essentially. And that's, that's just bad ball on me, bad, bad, bad handling of that communication, and then you end up going to halftime with nothing. So what happened on the two-point conversion? Bad, horrific by me. Horrific, horrific. Um, you know, we, we were going for two, and so we were a little slow making sure we had the right personnel grouping on the field. Um, where I made that mistake, so then we called timeout, put the ball in a hash. Um, waiting to see what personnel they were in, and then, and then I, I called the play backwards, so I'm trying to correct it at the last second, and we end up taking the delay game. So it just horrific management of a situation by me twice, coming out of a timeout and then having to take a delay game, and then, and then we missed the extra point on top of that. So um, that, was, that was all on me. I know it happens, and I know all, like coaches around the league do this. You know, There's an accountability that coaches take, but the, the very granular, specific nature of explaining it and horrific, 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 and just, I'm not going to be able to sleep, and, you know, very specific, (laughs) and, you know, normally you'll hear, I got to be better, I didn't have a, you know, I didn't do enough today, and I got to coach, but we got to coach better, right, that's what you normally hear, you don't hear, let me tell you exactly how I botched this one like an idiot, you know, I, I thought that was, it was different, I don't, I don't know that it matters a ton, I mean, it's better than the opposite, um, you better off not being horrific. However, I just thought it was noticeable because it was di- different. 
I would argue that clock management may be his greatest strength. And, and that might be why he was so hard on himself. I, I don't remember a time, and I'm sure they maybe they have, but it, it feels like they are always on top of it. You look at today in the second half when they they started taking the timeouts early. Like this, it is all part of the analytics that they go over all the time. And I go back to his first game um, ever when they were playing at Seattle in that in 2019 opener and, and the way they handled the clock at the end of the first half in that game and ended up leading to the long John Ross touchdown pass. It's just something that, that he's done well since he's been here. So I, I get why he would be so hard on himself because there, there was no excuse for it. Now, Joe Burrow, not seeing the clock run down that, you know, part of that is on him, but they never should have been in that situation. The other one before half, I'm not sure. I, I still think that was – I think that had something to do with Joe's hand because it would have been easy to say just clock it. I don't know if you can, how you can signal this. It's it's kind of loud, but just clock it with four seconds left and then try the Hail Mary. And you don't have to worry the fact that it's fourth down and you're you're, you're possibly going to give them a, a shot at that. I, I, I just think there was a little bit of worry there. That if he if he dropped back and and tried to let one really rip, that the ball could slip out of his hand or something crazy could happen, and they just decided we'll just get to the halftime, evaluate the pinky, see where he's at. I, I don't think that was total clock mismanagement. I think that was a little bit of uh, just being safe with what what Joe was dealing with. I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree with that, and I. But you know, if you would never ever want to admit that, mm. because you don't want people to know either. I, I mean, Zach Taylor was very quick to dismiss any Burrow injury pinky conversation. I mean, it was trying to brush it aside pretty much at all costs. So the last thing he wants to do is get into it. The best way to cover that up, I'll just make a big deal blaming myself <laughs> for it, and uh, and 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 that way people won't be questioning what exactly happened. Um, the the one last the one last thing I want to dive into before we go not dive into but just touch make sure we touch on you know we talked about this game being about the defense in a lot of ways how are they going to handle an elite offense showing up how are they going to handle we haven't seen a lot of this they just we they just as much as people love what this defense has been and they have been very good they have made a living off of throttling offenses that are kind of in the bottom half of the league they haven't seen a lot of these top offenses well, this is the first of them. The Chargers, number two in DVOA. The Niners, number three in DVOA. The Chiefs, number six in DVOA, all coming up. And a bunch of these decent offenses are on the slate. Not a great start for that. I mean, dudes just running. It was. It reminded a lot of the Green Bay game when Devontae Adams was running open and free in the secondary. And, and there was looked like there was confusion and busted coverage and an occasional missed tackle. And... And it looked like that today. You know, they, they got mossed a couple of times on deep balls, and, and, and there were guys running. I mean, Keenan Allen wide open in the end zone. I mean, it's the, it's a, it's, it is a seat of concern. It is a seat of concern as you, you continue to go down the stretch. They've got to hold up better than that. they got to hold up better than that. Hey, the, the one difference between today and the Green Bay game, the Green Bay game, it was Devontae Adams over and over and over again. Today it was everybody. Is Keenan Allen, like you mentioned on the touchdown, Jared Cook, the tight end, got open. Mike Williams got lost. They they were losing people all throughout that secondary. And you know, the one guy you don't want to make not the one guy, but you don't want to make it easy for Justin Herbert. He can make those hard throws if you if you leave guys wide open like that. He's not going to miss him. And I I thought they did a decent job getting pressure on him, but when they didn't get home, 
they lost guys and it, it, it killed them. Um, I, I think it was Jesse Bates maybe this week talking about the, the big improvement that they've made the last two weeks was not giving up the explosive plays. And then here they are rearing their ugly heads again. And it is something you wrote about that this week, the, the, the quarterbacks and the offenses they're going to face live on those kind of big plays. And if the Bengals don't get that fixed, there could be more games like today down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, and the def- the defense did pick up as it went along there, and they found themselves a little bit, and they got some turnovers that really saved their asses. But um, you know, that's that's part of a good defense too. But either way, um, you know, not not the uh, not the greatest uh, on a, on a big measuring stick day for them as well. But regardless, Bengals still sit in the playoff picture as we sit here today. They are one game back of Baltimore, who still comes here on December 26th, and they had one of these clunker games that they tend to have where they made a million mistakes, and they still had themselves right there you know, for all that went wrong, and that doesn't mean it's good. they got to clean up the sloppiness, but it's really become so such an easy thing to see. Turn it over, play well. Don't play well, lose. Don't turn it over, play well and win. It's been kind of the the, the the most obvious part of this and, and really the, the Achilles heel of this team right now. So we will see how it goes, and we will tell you everything about Joe Burrow's pinky this week. I hope you're excited for all of that. I know I really, really am. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, and we will talk to you on Tuesday on Hear That Podcast. Great. I want to have a good one, everybody.